Today, we have a great digital health leader, Gary Garrison, the Division Vice President for the Health Information Systems Division of 3M. Gary has been with 3M for over 27 years. Prior to her current role, she served in a variety of positions for the HIS division, including Director of Consulting Services, Directing, or, uh, Director of Performance Management, Master Black Belt Integration Manager, and most recently, 3M His Director and Area Division Leader for the US and Canada. Gary is graduated, graduated from Western Kentucky University with a degree in nursing and earned broad experience in critical care, trauma, emergency room nursing before joining 3M. We are very blessed to have her on the program today. So welcome to our, our overall Leader to Leader podcast. It's great to have you on the program, Gary. Thank you, Russ. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's just get started and stay on the personal level first. You and I got to spend some time uh, a couple of weeks ago together, and I learned all kinds of little interesting things. So first of all, how are you and your family and the great people at 3M doing during this really difficult time of COVID and so many other things going on in our world? Well, first, thanks for asking. Um, we're all doing well. Like many other families and organizations, we're pretty much isolated from one another. Um, we're in remote locations doing the majority of our work um, from home and have been since the onset of the pandemic. As far as my family, um, I haven't seen many of them for about nine months. I do have elderly family member of COVID. And obviously as a nurse, I take the guidance from the CDC very seriously. And so we've really restricted our external exposure to, to the family. Um, and then at 3M, we've done exactly the same. So we have very strict internal guidelines around social distancing, who's in the office, what type of customer visits, um, you know, that we will do at the request of customers. And the majority of our work in HIS is being done from a remote location. So you everybody has a story every leader has a story and, and you in particular i love your story and share with everybody a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are today because every person's unique and yours is really i really enjoy yours mm -hmm. well growing up um, i grew up on a dairy farm and i wanted to be a physician so in order to fund my education i entered a nursing program thinking that i could use nursing as a way to fund medical school that I could work weekends and nights while I went to school. But I found that I love nursing and ultimately made the dent 15 years in acute care, working in critical care, open heart, and as a trauma nurse. So essentially I wanted the worst patient in-house every day that I was at work. I don't think anyone thought about making the transition from nursing into the world of technology. But what I found was as a resource to the medical staff and to other um, medical leaders within the organization, understanding the regulations was critical in order to take actions. And I found that that was something that I could do very well. So I transitioned from, um, nursing into the, you know, the world of business and have never looked back since then. Wow. Well, you have a little bit of a unique family slash work situation in your life. 
uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing it, because I think it's kind of, it, it's not only is it funny, but it's also special. Mm -hmm. Well, many of our customers know this. Um, I have an identical twin sister that also works within 3M. She works in our sales division for information technology, and it's very hard to tell us apart. So a lot of our customers will be talking to me and they think that I'm Terry and likewise for her. So we often very early in a conversation identify ourselves just so it doesn't put the customer um, in a difficult spot. Now, I can only imagine you don't have to reveal any stories, but I just know from my own personal experience, if I had that in my life, I would have probably been a little bit mischievous early in my career, maybe earlier in my life. I'm sure there's probably a, a couple stories there somewhere along the way. Well, there have been, but you know, we grew up in a small town where there was very little population. So by the time we were actually ready to enter grade school, most people in the community could tell us apart. So we didn't have much opportunity to do that um, through grade school and high school, but until we got to college. And so we went to the same college for just the first semester. So we did have some opportunities to play some pranks, obviously, when we were freshmen in college. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some great stories there, but we won't dwell on those. We'll dwell on all this cool professional stuff that's going on. In particular, first and foremost, thanks for your service as a nurse. And, and you probably, as, as much as anybody out there, can really appreciate what's going on right now with the work that nurses and caregivers are having to do with COVID and what's happening. You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts from a nursing perspective, from a service perspective of, of what you think is going on and, and how this might unfold and, and you know, what, what it would look like if you got forced back in that world, even though neither of us could probably go back to our original careers. Just love to hear some of your thoughts. Yeah. You know, I don't think the nurse I was then could have imagined the pressures and the challenges that's facing the frontline healthcare workers today. You know, as a critical care nurse, I worked on serious trauma cases or, you know, serious cardiac cases, but never in an environment where we were at capacity and then the volume of cases just continued for days, weeks, and months. You know, you may have a spike in um, census, but you know, that spike ended fairly soon. This spike just is continuing. So it's very challenging and it's a drain on both, you know, the emotional and the physical state of our healthcare workers. Most healthcare organizations really do have disaster plans in place for things like plane crashes or car accidents or an active shooter, uh, you know, or a chemical spill. But this pandemic is really tragic. It's really a once in a century event and it was something that just, I don't believe we were anticipating would happen in our lifetime. Um, healthcare is much more complex today than it was when I really began my career. And then you add this with, you know, um, the, the fact that we just didn't have knowledge of the disease, what the treatment was going to be, how to prevent it, who would even be high risk early on. Uh, created a challenge in itself. We just didn't know what was coming our way. So you have a lot of experience in understanding the complexity of, of healthcare, probably at, from a patient care perspective, at its um, most intense, ED, ICU, trauma, those type of things. How did that experience really shape the, the leader you are today in a technology world? 
Well, you know, a diff many different ways. You know, first thing I would say is since I was actually practicing, we really experienced incredible progress in medical research and knowledge um, since I was in direct clinical care. The advancements in treatments, but also the advancements in technology and medications have really made the difference in our ability to treat disease and improve the lives of patients. We have seen an exponential growth in regulations during that time, healthcare payment regulations, coding guidelines, quality reporting requirements, and just measures for about everything that we do. So there's a lot of process measures that we have to undertake as both physicians and nurses that we have to follow that can be really overwhelming and time consuming. We also really understand that technology is there to help us, but it also introduces a new complexity. It's made an impact on our capability to capture data, to give us better information about the clinical care that we're providing. Um, but change management was really a challenge as we started the EHR adoption. Um, it wasn't really completely factored into that implementation process. And so we recognize now early on that Technology innovations really sometimes don't fit the natural workflow of what I consider a care less time with us having to spend with patients. One of the things that I found really when I was an ICU manager is that I was often in the position of really being what I call the translator, really helping the physicians understand those regulations and adapt to the new technology and what we needed to do in order to get the best value out of, of the, the equipment, the tools, and the information that we were getting back on the data that was being collected. That's the part of the job that I really enjoyed. And that's why I actually left Bedside Care to join uh, a healthcare accounting firm in Atlanta that really started to pioneer um, what we call uh, clinical documentation improvement today. And then that particular company that I joined was actually acquired by 3M early on in the late 90s. And this is what started my journey at 3M. Well, 3M is a really big, complex organization worldwide. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of insight into to where your role in supporting a really healthcare as an industry-wide initiative with the your division that's there, because 3M, you could think mm -hmm. so many different things from sticky notes to the most complex clinical mm -hmm. environment. So, um, you know, I'd love to hear about how you all are supporting healthcare. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, Health Information Systems, HIS, which I'm part of, is actually part of a larger healthcare division called the Healthcare Business Group. And in that is really medical supplies, wound care. Uh, PPE, um, dental, food safety, and even biopharma. So we're, we're part of a broad healthcare division. In HIS, really for over 30 years, we've actually been the lead contractor for CMS on DRGs, um, the MS DRGs that are used today, and the design of even the ICD-10 procedure coding system. We also develop and deploy what we call is risk adjustment methodologies. And these are used by both payers and providers 
to really understand patient acuity and disease burden and identify avoidable care and be able to analyze quality. Today, about 40 state health agencies, as well as many of the Medicaid agencies have adopted those methodologies to really, public, to really report on hospital performance. And as you see in the transition to value-based care, we're starting to see a lot of the states use these same methodologies to design new payment models that really align on outcomes and financial incentives. We're working right now with several U.S. state Medicaids and ministries of health in several countries in, in using our methodologies to really prioritize the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. So with using a risk-adjusted risk methodology, this really allows us to look for those potential patients that would be very high risk having poor outcomes. So regardless of whether, you know, it's a state uh, reform or whether it's a national payer or whether it's a government agency, we're really seeing a lot of the things that we do at 3M as some of the foundation things to really support value-based care and really help achieve what we call the highest quality of care at the lowest cost. Obviously, some of these initiatives are very complex and they've been really disruptive to clinicians. And we're really focused on trying to eliminate some of the administrative burden for the clinicians as we really look at products and tools of the future. So a lot of this takes, I mean, I, I would say probably 99% of your job as I, as I hear it is about leading and helping through so much change how do you approach leadership in your, in your current position, such a large, broad area, but so much complexity across that entire spectrum? How do you approach leading in that environment? Well, you know, Russ, early on in my nursing career, even as I started as a nurse at entry level and then started moving up in management, I continued to spend at least 50% of my time in direct patient care. That was part of the, the job that I negotiated when I took those roles because I didn't want to lose touch with what I call is reality. I wanted to experience the same thing that my employees were experienced with the challenges, the benefits, you know, what was frustrating to them, the joys of being able to give good patient care and see those patients, you know, get well and go home to their families. So I believe spending time you know, doing the same jobs as the employees do is very important. So one of the things that I do at 3M is I continue to focus on customers at least 50% of my time. Um, I obviously still participate in, um, you know, customer meetings, um, corporate executive meetings. We continually hold meetings with a lot of our key accounts. In order for me to hear the challenges that they have every day, to really understand where they have pains, um, to understand what is the most pressing issues, and then to really take that and go back to our team and really focus on our strategic direction. What can we do better? Um, what pressures that our clients have could we actually solve? And then really focusing that on how we go about our business every day. So for me, it's about staying in touch with reality 
by actually participating with my coworkers and my team members um, with customer events. I love that engaged leader model that you put together though. That really paints an amazing leadership picture. Part of that same picture I'm sure is create, creating clarity and vision for people, maybe even during a pretty chaotic time that we're in right now. You've got political change going on, never mind the pressures of COVID worldwide, social change unrest, depending on how you want to describe what's going on. It's just, there's so much kind of un clear world we're in, but part of our job as leaders to create clarity. How do you approach that? Mm -hmm. You know, with me spending time with customers, obviously having the knowledge of what the challenges are in the industry and being able to gather a lot of that market information, really listening to the customer's pain and then listening to our employees, that helps us evaluate our priorities internally. They shift often based on the market, but you must learn to be very agile and be able to pivot pretty quickly. We continually evaluate our own performance against our own goals and timelines, and really prioritization is the key. So we have to continually adapt to where the customer's needs are. And you have to realize as a company or you know, as even an organization, you can't be everything to everyone and have a broad brush on focus. You've got to be focused on the key areas that make a difference. And so that's how we stay very focused on where we need to be. Uh, and we communicate that vision to our employees very frequently. So one of the things you I mentioned in your introduction, and you've mentioned it numerous times, is kind of the world of process improvement and lean, but you're a black belt and you don't meet a lot of those in the world. There's not a small number, but that's a rarity. And uh, having our entire organization right now going through some levels of learning that we're all up to yellow belts now, that's quite a journey, but to get to black belt, that's quite intense. How do you use that mindset of process and people, maybe even before technology to do exactly the same thing to help create that change for people? Well, 3M has been involved in Six Sigma for a many number of years. Um, this is really in our DNA. Um, we train in HIS our employees to all be green belts. And then we have a significant number of employees that are black belts and even master black belts within the organization. So we utilize that every day in how we do business. We look at what is the objective we're trying to achieve what improvement or what do we want to be able to deliver so we make it measurable. And then we also look at the things that could go wrong, the root causes. Um, and then we, we, we look at the data and we let the data drive us to what the right decisions are. And then once we make our decisions, we do it, you know, if it's a product, it's a pilot. Uh, if it's a process, the same type of thing, we'll look at the the new process and evaluate the success. And then we put what we call control plans in place. So it's basically how we run our business. We use both um, Lean Six Sigma and then in software development, we use Scrum. And so we have very metric driven goals and we look at how well we perform on a routine basis and we make adaptations from the, the results that we see. 
Well, the fact that you make everybody get to green belt and I was going to make everybody get to yellow belt, I guess I'm going to have to uh, up the ante now. So they're either all going to be very thankful for the extra train they're going to get, or they might be a little mad at us uh, after this uh, podcast today and that they get to go through another whole another class. So hopefully it's the, they're going to be excited about it. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was clinician burnout, and you can go across the gamut. You can go physicians, you can give ancillary care, you can give nurses. And even now we're seeing, you know, those in the secondary levels, IT teams are getting burned out, especially during this COVID time. They're just doing so much with so little. You know, what do you, what do you, you mentioned it briefly earlier about your take on really trying to help in this arena and make people's lives a little bit less chaotic, maybe even a little bit more uh, joyous. I'd love to hear your approaches on that. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw our customers struggling with the issue of burnout and we just knew that we had to address it. Um, You know, with Lean Six Sigma, we often go to customers and we do observation of their processes. And one of the things that we did was a project a few years back where we timed how long a physician was actually facing patients versus facing the computer and a significant portion of the time they were actually in the patient's room was not face-to-face with the patient. And so we really started addressing that in our workflows and our products. And, you know, we really used that to define um, the reason we did the acquisition of Immodal. We were looking for, you know, their portfolio of artificial intelligence, uh, power-driven technologies, their speech-to-text products, that could really help give the physicians back, um, you know, time with their patients. And I would argue that also applies to nursing and pretty much anyone that's doing care is looking for tools that we could reduce the administrative burden. So we've been doing that with the acquisition that we made about a year and a half ago and really moving documentation activities that were normally done retrospectively even into a single integrated workflow that really integrates even with the EHR. So we've done that. We, you know, we've integrated with over 250 EHR systems and over 50 clinical systems to help our clients have more of a seamless workflow. Um, The reality is, is that we wanted to be able to give the physician that extra time to have face-to-face interaction. You know, the clinician is strongly that burden can be many turned to patient engagement, and that's where we need to be focused. So obviously our industry is <laughs> right with challenges. That's just one of those. And you all sound like you're really attacking that head on. Now let's talk a little bit more from a macro professional perspective, obviously, and it's very obvious in, in society as a whole, but very much in healthcare also. The, the, the real challenges of, of diversity and uh, equity-based issues. And you are an amazing leader example for everybody, but in particular, you're a strong female leader that, that really can be a role model for so many. How do you approach this obligation? And I truly believe an obligation for all of us, especially in senior leadership positions, to really focus on this as a, as a key initiative. you know, I look at my journey and obviously I'll tell you what I really did was stay focused on my goals. Um, I continually seek to learn and to grow. 
I embrace change and I embrace the red. So if you don't know the things that aren't working, you are going to ignore them. So for me, metrics is critical. And I chose to look at areas where I believe that I could contribute, where I could learn new things. I don't mind being out of my comfort zone. And I really wanted to continue with personal improvement for myself. So I was always open to feedback. You know, growing up in a rural area, I was always told if someone tells you three times you have a tail, you better turn around and look. And so my approach has always been to seek feedback, look at what's not working, what can we do better, what problem is there to solve, and then set those goals and to be standing still in the same place all of the time. And the advantage that I really had is 3M does allow me to do that. So, you know, I've chosen an environment where that is part of the innovative spirit that allows us to take those risks and really look at areas that we believe that are uniquely different and maybe a new path in a new direction. And I would encourage, you know, those who are seeking to grow in their career to do that as well. Well, that's some great wisdom there. So all of us during our careers have had great mentors, great leaders, great experiences. I'd love for you to kind of just share some overall and some of it you just did, some macro level wisdom and thoughts, especially for our, our younger listeners that are really kind of in that early stages that you kept talking about where you learned so much, some of that wisdom that we should be sharing with them as, as senior leaders. You know, you know, I have a motto that I've used for a long time, and it is really growth is inevitable, but change with it is optional. So you can, you can ignore the change that is going to occur and stunt your growth in your career and be left behind. So yes, change sometimes gives us all palpitations. But you really need to look at it and say, what can I do different? What can I learn? And how will this make what we do in the future different? Versus always coming at it from, it's a change. Why do we need to do it? You know, um, can't we just continue in the path that we're in? It's working, maybe not as efficiently as we like. Let's just tweak it. But, you know, this was something that one of my mentors provided to me early on is that you have to grow with the change that is coming and things are going to be different. So you need to learn how to go into every situation with what is the best outcome we could have from this change and try to figure out how to make that adaption the adoption to the new process or the new way of doing things without it being such a negative response because you basically only hurt yourself. You know, growth is going to, growth is inevitable and change really is going to be optional. You know, you have to decide whether you're going to change. Yeah, we had this great keynote speaker at one of our conferences a couple of years ago and, she's, and she said, 
if you don't wake up every morning and you don't have a little bit of a twisted stomach from the, the change in opportunity you have presented for you today, she goes, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And, and I've listened to that, thought about that every single day going, okay, why does my stomach hurt a little bit? Because we're pushing it and we should. That's great wisdom. Well, it has absolutely been a pleasure spending time with us with you today. Gary, you are an amazing leader, an amazing role model. Uh, 3M is, is very fortunate to have you at the helm there in your position, but it really was a pleasure to get some of the wisdom from you and share it with our audience today. All right. Well, thank you, Russ. I've truly enjoyed this as well. Thank you. And we greatly appreciate you, our listeners, for listening to this program today. And we thank you across the entire country for all your listening. Please join us for, the, or thank you for joining us for this episode of Leader to Leader podcast. As always, you can listen to those on Spotify, Apple, or chimecentral.org forward slash media. For now, please take care, stay safe, stay home if you can, wear a mask, be safe, and God bless. <laughs>